Good morning. Good morning, Lexi and Quinn. Good morning, Pastor Good morning. Brian. I want to know how old you are. So, Lexi, how old are you? Um, six. Six. And Quinn, how old are you? Five. Five. Okay. Well, good morning. We have some great questions today, Pastor Brian. Are you ready? I'm ready. I love questions. Okay. So, first, we have Lexi's question. How do planes fly? Oh, that's a good question, isn't it? Because planes are really heavy and they shouldn't be able to go up in the air. They should come crashing to the ground because they weigh so much. Planes fly because of the wind. Except airplanes make their own wind. They have these long, long things sticking out. And what are those called? They're called wings. And the wings have a very, very special shape. The top of the wing is curved and the bottom of the wing is flat. And so when they get an engine to push them forward and make their own wind, and the wind blows over that special shape, something really amazing happens. If I want to go from this point to this point, which is going to be the shorter distance? If I go straight across or if I go over the top? Straight. Straight is shorter. That's exactly right. So when the wind passes over the wing, the air on the bottom goes really fast over the bottom and takes a long time to go over the top. And when this happens, something really amazing occurs. The wind on the bottom, because it's going by so fast, pushes the wing up and it's a, called lift. And if you do that fast enough with a big enough wing, you can lift a huge weight. And it all depends on wind blowing over this special shape in the wing. And that's how planes get off the ground and fly. Does that make any sense or was that too technical? Makes sense. So the reason planes fly is their wings are a special shape and when wind blows over that special shape, it creates lift. And that's how planes can fly. Okay, so Quinn wants to know, how do they make prairie dogs? And where do they come from? Well, prairie dogs are one of my favorite animals because they live in giant extended families in huge cities underground, huge prairie dog colonies, sometimes with hundreds and hundreds of prairie dogs. They traditionally lived out on the Great Plains of the United States. Yes, that's a good looking prairie dog you got there. Well, you know, prairie dogs are very, very social animals. And in their cities, they've got lots and lots of rooms. And some of the rooms are like family rooms where they all get together and socialize. And some of the rooms are like their kitchen where they store food. And some of the rooms are where their babies are and that's, those are nurseries. 
but there are always little mounds. Prairie dogs make little tiny hills by the entrances to their colonies, so they can stand up on top of the hill, and there, some of the prairie dogs, and they take turns as, as sentries, watching to make sure there's no danger in the area, and they keep a, a careful lookout. And when they see something, you know how prairie dogs communicate? They, they make little yip noises and they dance. It's called the yip jump. And their yip jumps can communicate an awful lot of information, like where there's good grass and where there's water, and also can let them know when other animals are getting close by and they should watch out. So prairie dogs are a kind of rodent, it's a mammal that lives in North America on the Great Plains, and they're very intelligent. They have a complex language, and, and they're just one of my favorite animals. I really like prairie dogs. Could you do that communication one more time, Brian? the best. All right, Lexi, it's your turn again. Do you want to ask your second question? You have it there. Why is the screecher leaving? Lexi, that's, that's a really good question. It's actually kind of, it's a question, you know how some things sometimes make us sad and make us happy at the same time? Have you ever had, felt like sad and happy at the same time? That's kind of how I'm feeling about Ms. Rachel going. I'm really sad because we're going to miss her an awful lot. But I'm also really happy because she's going out and growing and, 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 and taking on a new role and, and, and really growing in the fullness of who God created her to be. Ms. Rachel is going to be going. She's going to be going to a place called Seminary which is a school that trains people to become ministers, to lead churches and to teach other people about the Bible and God. And I think my opinion, no, not my opinion. I know that God, God is with each and every one of us from the moment we're baptized. Lexi, God is with you and God is with Quinn. And if you spend time with God in prayer, over a long period of time, you begin to understand, you begin to get hints of God's plan and intention for your life, of the kind of person that God wants you to grow into, and the kind of gifts that God has given you to share with other people. And we call, we call that that conversation between us and God, we call that a calling. And a calling is when God has given you hints, given you a summons, given you maybe a little push to go out and become something more, to grow into something more than you thought you were going to be. And it can be a little scary at first because, you know, you're not exactly sure. But then as you begin to live into it, you become more and more sure, and you begin to see how God has been nudging you in that direction for a long time. And I want you to understand, it's not just people who become ministers who have a calling. Every one of us has a calling. Quinn has a calling, you have a calling, and you'll have plenty of time to figure out what that is. You've got decades, trust me. 
but your mommy and daddy, they have a calling. We all have a calling for a special role and identity and things to do in this world that God wants us to participate in. And when we do that, then God starts showing up in our lives in amazing ways and using us for God's purposes and God's plans of helping other people. So Ms. Rachel has for many years been praying and thinking and reflecting upon what God wants for her life and how she can serve God. And she has now realized with the help of her friends and people at church and, and others that God has a special call, a special summons to her to go out and, and become a leader in Jesus's church and share the message of Jesus with other people. And so because God called her to do this, she's going out and is getting the formal education and all the requirements um, to do that. So while we're going to miss her an awful lot, an awful lot, we are also really happy because we know that she is growing into the person that God made her to be and that through her and what she's going to be doing in the world, she is going to be blessing so many other boys and girls out there, and it's going to be beautiful and wonderful. So do you see, Lexi, how it's both happy and sad at the same time? Yeah. Sometimes feelings are like that. They can get kind of complicated, where we feel happy and sad. And, and I am really happy that Rachel is going to be going and growing and living into God's call. And I'm very happy for the, the broader church that is going to be receiving her service. And I'm sad because she's my friend and, and we're going to miss her. Mm. Does that help answer your question, Lexi? She's, she's leaving to become a pastor and to be with God. Yes. Right? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. exactly. Exactly right. Thanks, Pastor Brian. That was a great answer. Um, okay, Quinn wants to know, this is a big question. Quinn wants to know, why did Jesus die? Oh, Quinn, you're asking a huge question. Huge, humongously huge question. And there are a lot of people who have a lot of thoughts about that. And you will get different answers. And so I'm going to give you my answer, but it's not the only answer there is, okay? I believe that Jesus died because the world really, really did not like the message that he was bringing, that we don't belong to this world, but to God. And that what's most important is loving God and loving other people. And there were people in his day, and let's be honest, there are, there are still people in the world today who do not believe that loving God and loving other people are the most important thing. There are, there are folks who are afraid and when they get scared, they can do really cruel things. And there are people who are really greedy. They want power and money. 
and they can hurt people as they try to get power and money. And all and Jesus encountered and entered into some arguments with people like that. And and Jesus knew that he was going to get in trouble. He knew it. He was smart. But he would not compromise his message. He wouldn't be quiet. He just kept on teaching people about loving God and loving other people, knowing full well that he could get into a lot of trouble, that he could even die. But he remained steadfast. He stuck to his message because he knew how important it was for us and for the world. And so some of the powerful people in his day got together and they, they told lies about Jesus. They said he really wants to take over the government, which he didn't. He didn't. But they couldn't understand anybody who talked about power and a kingdom who himself did not want to become king. He was actually talking about the kingdom of God. And so they organized this big conspiracy and all these lies, and they had him arrested on trumped up charges, and, and he was tried in an unfair trial, and they took him out and 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 they killed him. You're right. And it was so sad. But here's the amazing thing. While they thought that they were putting Jesus on trial, what was really going on is that all of their lies and all their fears and all their hatred and all their anger, that's what was really on trial. And that in the cross, Jesus didn't respond to all that anger and hurt with more anger and hurt he could have he could have snapped his fingers and and a legion of angels could have come down and 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 beat up all the people who were trying to hurt him and rescue him but he didn't do that because he knew that the only way to change the world was not through force not through violence but through love and so he showed and shared with us on the cross to the very last breath that love. The thing they didn't understand is that, of course, Jesus wasn't just a person. He was also God. And God can't die. So when Jesus died, he broke death. And now it can't hold us anymore. They thought they got rid of him. They were wrong. And now Jesus can show us how to live and how to live into new life through his example and his teachings. I know that's a lot, and that's a pretty deep answer, but does that help, Quinn, at all? Ms. Rachel, did I touch on all the salient points? <laughs> I, think, I think you did. That's a big question. That was a great answer to a big question. Hey, Lexi, do you want to ask your third question? This is my last question. How do doors open and close? Oh, are you talking about sliding doors or doors that like have a doorknob? Um, like doors that have a doorknob that you like, that you like open, close, open, close. Okay. Um, can you make a little fist? 
And can you make a little hole in it so you can see through it? Okay, now take your index finger, take your pointer finger and your other finger and stick it into the hole. On the top, stick it into the hole. Now, can you move your index finger around inside the hole? Like this? You see what I say? That's a hinge. You've got a hinge. Do you see how it can move around? This is how a door gets open and closed. A door is a big piece of wood, a flat piece of wood, that they hang a little pin under a hole, and we call that pin in a hole a hinge, and it can rotate around the hinge. And that's how a door opens. And then a doorknob, same idea, has a, a, a little mechanism. You rotate that doorknob, and it turns a little slide that moves a pin that pulls a little bolt back out of the lock. And then you just pull the door open. So a door opens and closes because it's hanging on a hinge. I don't really understand. The door just hangs on a little, on a, just like your finger with a pin in it. Those are made out of metal. And they're screwed into the door. One side screwed into the door. One side is screwed into the wall, and it and it hangs on that hinge. And the hinge lets it move back and forth. But you got to be really careful never to put your finger in a hinge because it can pinch really, really bad. And believe me, I've done it. You don't want to do it. Trust me. Me too. Bad idea. Bad idea. Bad idea. I see a hinge. I see one on my door right now. Yes, exactly. And the door is hanging. If you look very carefully on the hinge, you'll see some little screws on one side that attach it to the door. And there are some screws on the other side that attach it to the wall. And inside that hinge is a little pin that it's the whole door is rotating around. So the hinge makes it open and close. Oh, that's right. Exactly, and it's you, you're, you're, and it's you pushing on it that opens and closes it, and the doorknob just lets go of a little latch that locks it in place. That's great, Brian. Good job. We have just enough time. We have just enough time for Quinn's last question. What makes clouds? Oh. What makes clouds? Clouds are made out of water, but not water like the water we drink or water that's in the pool. Do you ever see steam coming out of um, a kettle in the kitchen or, or steam coming out of the oven? And you see how, have you ever seen that? So you know how like water can be a gas, it can be in the air? Well, clouds. It can be a liquid. It can, be a liquid. it can be a liquid. It can, but it can also be a gas, right? And in the winter time, it can be a solid. And what do we call the solid form of water? Ice. Exactly. So when water vapor is in the atmosphere, it's a gas. And sometimes it gets cool enough to condense into little tiny droplets. And when it does that, we can see it blocks out the light because they're little water droplets. And those little tiny droplets of water vapor are clouds. And it all depends on the temperature and the wind and the humidity in different places in the atmosphere, whether they form or not, and what kinds of clouds form. But clouds are water vapor. That's why if they condense too much, 
the water drops out of the clouds. And you know what we call that? Rain. Exactly, Lexi. Perfect. You've got it. You're well on your way to a career in meteorology. So it's like, so it like vapors into the sun, into the sun, but now I know it makes the cloud. But if there's too much water, then it drops down as rain. Exactly. If there's too much water or if it gets too cold and all the water starts to condense into big droplets, then it drops out like as, as rain. Exactly. You got it, Lex. Thank you, Pastor Brian. And thank you, Lexi and Quinn, for such great questions. Thank you, guys. I really had fun. I hope you did, too.